2: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I have Agent Agent. <laughs> I have I have Andy Cajun Junkin here with me, and he is uh, back again to talk about what he sees happening out there at family farms. and And today we we're kicking around what we we're going to talk about and time management, roads to the top. So, Andy, how you doing, man? Good, lad. How are you? Good, man. I tell you, time management is. I'm sure I'm not on an island, but time management is one of the things I struggle with the most. Um, with with all the stuff I have going on and what you need to balance with activities with your kids and your work and everything else that's going on, there's just a million things that pull you in a million different directions. And, and, uh, it seems like when I need to be doing something that's meaningful, uh, I feel like I I'm doing something that's not meaningful. So I guess talk a little bit about your experience yeah. with that. Andy. I mean,
3: I, I think there was a survey done a couple of years ago and most surveys related to my field. I mean, there, I mean, there's farmers quite often tell the survey taker what they want to hear, what they think everybody should, say but yeah. not the truth uh, but right. in this case they actually came back for, it was minnesota large herd dairy operators and they came back with a survey that the biggest struggle that they have in these family farms is the work-life balance and i think that that kind of reflects accurately what's actually going on as one guy said in the survey and his feedback was um he said look if i put as much time into the the barn as my dad expects me to i may have taken our 1500 cow dairy to a 3000 cow dairy but I won't have a wife in 10 years time. And he right. said, what's the sense in, in, um, and working your butt off if you lose all of it through a divorce. Right. And, and I think that's a real reflection on where things are at. Um, if you actually look at, uh, the divorce rate, uh, for, I mean, it's 50, 50% across the general society. I mean, agriculture 20 years ago, I mean, divorce was quite rare. It's become more and more prevalent. And, um, the, I mean, it's a reflection of work life. I mean, obviously, if you can spend more time with your family, that's quality time. I mean, it's not going to solve all your uh, probability of divorce, but it's going to have a big factor in this. And if you actually look at um, the divorce rate in New York City. It was actually 83% divorce rate for small, uh, small family business owners instead of the 50% that the society was at normal. And that the reason for that is the extra stress of the business and the extra stress of working with in-laws. And mm-hmm. so I'm really concerned that we may have over 80% divorce rate in agriculture within 10 years because of the extra stress of working with in-laws and the extra stress of the business. And I think that we have to get really serious about um, figuring out a good, better work-life balance if we're, I mean, we're going to reduce the probability of divorce in, in 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 this sector because, I mean, this if we don't, we're going to have a, a bigger um, a debt and farm far, far crisis than we did back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I I, I see that. Um, so one thing I want to bring, I, I, you sent me a chapter of your book that kind of outlines this stuff and I read through it. And there are a few things there that really popped out to me. And one of which was the, the comment that was in there that the majority of the second or third generations come back in the farm repeatedly said, I don't want to work like my dad did. I don't want to be where my mom did. I don't want to work, you know, 24, seven, and have no life outside of, of the chores I have to do. And, and, the, and the farm that we have here, I don't want to miss my kids games. I don't want to, I want to yeah. do all those kind of things. I want to be home at six or seven o'clock at night. And I want the weekends off, you know, and those kind of things. And you, and you as you read through that chapter, that kept bleeding through more and more. And you had a, a good scenario in there that you laid out about, about a situation that popped up with you. Talk about that a little bit and how you work through that, that situation.
3: Yeah. I mean, basically a, a buddy of mine from college, um, I remember going to his wedding, uh, back 20 years ago and, uh, and I was envious. I mean, he had, um, they had, they had a very successful farm. They were actually building expand their dairy to be a 400 cow dairy. Um, and the contractors went bankrupt actually shortly after the wedding. They were actually in the midst of the construction and they were actually supposed to have the wedding in the barn, but uh, they couldn't because the contractors were bankrupt. Well, it turned out that they had to uh, finish off the barn themselves. They couldn't, I mean, the contractor ran out uh, with her capital and they were really in a tight spot. And the bride of uh, the, uh, the, 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 farmer um, was fully supportive. And so she, she stuck by, she says, you know what? I know for a couple of years, we're going to have to work hard. And she was fine with that. Um, and she had actually a, a child, uh, uh, just, be, um, six months after the wedding, not, not 10. And, um, I think that there had another child in that, that course of that five year period. Mm-hmm. And essentially my buddy called me up and she said, he was like stunned that she had actually left him. And, and I, Convinced her to pull over at the and sat with her in the Burger King parking lot in Woodstock, Ontario, and she'd basically told me her story. I mean, while the two kids played in the ball pit there at the Burger King, um, and she she basically said, "Look, I love the farming life. I love it." She says, "I love my in laws. I I really love my husband, but yeah, you know, this is crazy. How many hours he's working? Like he's working from four o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night." I I've inherited uh, a dining room table two years ago. He has yet to have a meal at it. I mean, at Christmas, we had my, my, my family over and he had to leave um, dinner because he had to go calve, a calve She says, there has not been a day off in the last five years since we got married that he has had a day off, off work. And she says, it's, it's just insane. And it, she says, I dropped, he was supposed to look after the kids, while I went for an ultrasound, we we're supposed to have another baby. And by the way, it's a boy. He doesn't know that. But she says, I couldn't even trust him to watch the kids for two two hours while I was in the at the doctor's office. He couldn't come with me to the doctor's office because he was too busy. And the problem we had is we almost lost a kid today. And there was a farm accident. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but the kid basically playing in the ball pit had a pretty severe scratch on his on his arm and it could have been a lot worse but for her that was a breaking point where she says like this is crazy he's running ragged and all I've wanted for the last couple years is to hire like all I've been asking for six months is getting a uh, getting uh, kids on weekends to do the chores so they can milk cows at nights and there's a good kid just across the road from our farm he'd be perfect for the job Um, he costs us 15 bucks an hour um, which the farm can afford. I've been doing the books for the last uh, two years. I know that we're out of the red now. But what really upsets me is is my my father in law says there's no money for that. And all I want is f- for my father in law to, to be and mother in law to be able to take Saturday nights off to go on a date, and for me and my husband to be able to take Sunday afternoons off and take our kids to the park or do something beyond the farm. Because the only time the kids see daddy is at the farm. I mean. By the time he comes home at night, they're already asleep and and she says, this is the, the thing is that my, my I'm upset because I've been asking this for for six months. I've been told by my father-in-law there's no money for any labor. And you know when when we had the barn expansion, we had two extra guys working for us full time. We doubled the size of a herd from 200 cows to 400 cows. We haven't hired anybody extra since. We had one guy uh, um, fall off the barn roof because he broke his back and the other guy quit because there was too much work. And we decided as a family that we just work more hours in order to make it through these tough times. We're past those tough times. My father-in-law says there's no money for extra labor, but the truth is that he had no problems in going off and buying a farm across the road for $20,000 an acre on Tuesday this week. He never even talked to us about that but we don't have enough money for a $15 an hour employee on weekends. This is ridiculous. And she says, we don't have a life beyond work. All it is is 24 seven out. I mean, my husband's working 18 hour days on a slow day and he's going to be in a coffin by the time he's 40, if we don't get something sorted out. And so, I mean, I went off to, I got her a hotel room across the road and, uh, went out to see the in-laws and and junior and behind the barn junior had a lot to say, but he got in front of his father. We sat at that kitchen table. All junior did was look straight at the, at the kit, at the, the kitchen table. He didn't look, have eye contact with me or his dad and his dad did all the talking and his dad was a big man. And he, he had his one finger was the size of two of mine. And he started drilling his, 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 um, his fingers on the table, he says, "This is a I, when I, that girl married my son, I told her it was a 24-hour uh, day, day seven-day-a-week job. If she doesn't like it, she can go. And I said to Junior, did you have a prenup? And Junior looked at me with a deer-in-the-headlight look. I said, what percentage of the farm do you own, Junior? And the dad said, we're 50-50 partners. I said, well, with the amount of debt that you guys have, with the amount of capital that she's going to take out of this farm, you just lost the farm. And there was an awkward silence in that kitchen at that moment. And then I said, more importantly, what the heck's in all doing all of this? If, if your kids are going to grow up five hours away living in the city, all you're going to do is raise trust fund kids. They're never going to be interested in farming. And they're going to grow up to resent the farm because dad worked too much. And the old man was sitting at the kitchen table and he started crying and he tried to explain to me like how he and the young guy would feed TMR mixture to the, to the cows every, every morning and how the young four year old would drive that tractor and he, how he loved farming. And he just started sobbing. Like you never, I mean, and, and uh, it was a really awkward silence and, and that was, that was the situation I walked into, and I think a lot of farm families struggle with this kind of similar circumstances.
2: All right, so you sit down there, and you had this this kind of a, a breakthrough moment with with the father and the son talking about what's going on on the farm. What did they do next to help remedy the situation?
3: They, um, Essentially, I said to them, like, you, you've only got two problems here. I mean, you got three different problems. I said the first problem is that you guys are talking over top of each other instead of listening to each other. You, you've been telling your daughter-in-law how it's going to be, and you expect the farm to, to operate how you see it. You've never taken the time to understand it from her perspective. That's got to change. we got to start empathizing and understanding each other's perspective, not talking over top of each other. Right? we got to see the farm instead of it being my farm. It's got to become our farm. So it's not hell on earth for, for a young bride, um, but it's, it's heaven on earth for everybody involved in the operation. And the second thing is, we, we've got, we're going to do that by by um, achieving uh, investing time like it's money. You know, basically at this time, you guys treat time, a time as if it's a finite resource or an infinite resource where it's really a, a finite resource. And I told them, like, the thing is, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he said, if if you, um, everybody only got 24 hours in a day, he says, if you got to... Um, you got to sleep six hours a day. And he says, if you got to sleep more than six hours, I suggest you learn how to sleep faster. And then he said, uh, you give me, uh, show me how you spend the 18 hours. I'll show you where you're going to be in 18 years time. And in junior situation, he was, um, he was at the farm for 18 hours a day. Um, but he was not effectively working, um, a chunk of that. There was, there's times that he'd come in for breakfast and lunch and he'd, um, Basically, the parents lived on the main farm, and they refused to actually, when they got married, they refused to actually switch houses with Junior, um, which was what was supposed to happen. But essentially, the parents had envisioned building a house down the road, but they couldn't afford to do that with the contractors going bankrupt. So the parents had stayed put on the farm, and uh, Junior actually lived 14 miles away from the farm. So it was really hard um, for him to drive back and forth for lunch. So he'd never seen his kids or his wife. He just stayed on, had lunch at his mother's place. Well, what was happening is he was walking in for breakfast and he was sleeping on the couch um, for an hour after, you know, kind of watching The Price is Right or Wheel of Fortune on television. You know, he wasn't really effective with his time. What we got them to do was switch houses. So the the father in law he put his pride past uh, um, realized that having his grandchildren grow up at the farm was more of an importance than the convenience of living in the house that he liked. Right, and uh, he put his family first in that in that context. And what happened was when Junior moved into the home farm, he didn't uh, he didn't uh, bring a television. And so there was no more Wheel of Fortune with prices right. What happened uh, when he, Junior was having breakfast? He was having breakfast with his wife and kids, and he was fully present. He made a, a note of not bringing in his cell phone into the house. And so he spent the half an hour after, after breakfast on his knees playing on the carpet with his kids, playing farming, uh, farming the carpet mm-hmm. instead of, um, you know, watching television. And, you know, what happened was that at the afternoon at four o'clock, he had an agreement with his partners that if there wasn't anything pressing, like taking silage off the field or doing uh, planting corn, that he'd he'd take between four o'clock to five o'clock just before they started night milking uh, for him to take a break and, and play with his kids. And up to that point, if he was seen by his dad playing uh, kicking a soccer ball around the front yard, his dad would be saying, "Why aren't you working?" But then dad seen that that was important. And, and Junior came in. He still went out at night to check on the cows. But Junior made a, an effort uh, after milking to come back into the house and, and sp- tuck his kids in, in and spend some time with his wife for an hour. So essentially, Junior was still working 15-hour days. But the three hours that he had off, um, he made sure to invest in that time in his family instead of wasting that time. And I think that's the af- the thing about farming is that you know, I think you're going to actually have to work more hours than your parents did. But what we've got to get better at is more effectively managing our time like it's money and investing it in the farm and the family in more effective ways. You know, there's a lot of guys that they, they claim they can't take their Saturday afternoons off uh, because they've got too much work to do uh, to go to a wedding, a family wedding. Well, the truth, you, go, you get them to analyze what they've actually done for the week You'll quickly realize on Tuesday afternoon you spent time wasted doing a, a project in the shop that you could have done in in one hour instead of four. Um, but you you puttered it around. Well, you know what I'm really encouraging farm families to do is, is get really effective at managing their investing their in time like it's money, so that you can get off. You, you can get more work done on Tuesday than you won't have, and you put sixty hours of quality work into the farm through the course of the week. And taking off on Saturday afternoons to go to a family wedding, uh, you don't feel guilt. You right. know, I think that's really important. Yeah. I catch myself in the
2: middle of that, too, when um, Saturday afternoon comes around and I've spent uh, an evening or two, uh, you know, I'm going to take this evening off and I'm not going to do anything. You're going to hang out, and do whatever and, and uh, spend some time not working. And then. Come Saturday afternoon, I, uh, not like I spent that time <clears throat> with my kids or doing anything like that. It was just, I was just hanging out, watching Netflix on TV or whatever. I, was yeah. doing. I wasn't, I was I wasn't engaged in anything. And then, you know, Saturday comes around and I feel guilty about having to go off and do whatever, because I got all this other stuff to do back at home. And it's been a, uh, a real big learning curve, you know, as, as what that looks like. So a couple of things
3: I'd like to ask you you about, go go ahead. I I should just say this, that one simple thing. I mean, anybody can apply this, not just farmers is what I have a farmer do for is write down in his notebook every night, what is the one thing you plan to do tonight with your kids for 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. And it can be a game changer. And you actually, you know, a lot of, we are all guilty of this, of of bringing our phones into the house and watching Netflix Or watching youtube right um the thing is is that you know if you can intentionally say okay how am i uh, for me it's I, I try to invest an hour with my kids every day, every night right um that's and, and uh, at least five hours on on um, at least five quality hours with each uh, with the kids on the weekends but i intentionally write it down Before those, uh, the the first thing when I wake up in the morning and by me having asked myself, did I get that activity done? It might be like tonight, I'm going to be teaching my kids how to play guitar, right? And spend 20 minutes doing that with them and then play basketball, right? That's my intention. And so I have to ask myself tomorrow morning, did I actually get that done? And by you actually being intentional on how you invest your time, like it's money with your family, you show me how you spend those 18 hours that you have you have. I'll show you where you're gonna be in 18 years.
2: And I think you had a you had a pretty good list of questions there at the end of your of your chapter about a few things. And one of them that, that really stuck out to me were what were the three things you did that were time wasters? Yeah. And and that was because you asked me the three things I did that I got accomplished. I'll tell you those right away. And then I started thinking about well, I can give you a long list a lot longer list than three things that I did that wasted time today.
3: Yeah. And, and when I sat down with junior, that's what I did was I, I asked him, I asked him what are three things that if you had 10% more time, how would you invest that in the business and in the farm? And what it actually came out to was, was that the things that, that, I mean, f- for junior, if he had 10% more time, he would actually spend more time doing a better job of herd health. I mean, Junior was run ragged. I mean, he was, I mean, 400 cows for two guys to milk and one with only one employee. That's a lot of work. If anybody that's uh, the average dairy farmer that's between 40 and 50 cows per man, I mean, they were well over the nation's average, but the thing is they're running five different directions because they're constantly putting out fires. And the thing is, Junior realized that, Hey, if I put 10% more time into uh, herd health, um, I, I dramatically improved profitability, and they actually went from something like seventy pounds to over eighty-five pounds. They increased the milk production by fifteen percent. I think I don't, know, I don't know exact numbers, but it was it was pretty dramatic because okay. he started to invest. Say, okay, how what am I? How am I invest my time? Where should I be putting my priority? Right, and that and it wasn't just as far as a personal life; it was also in his business life, right. and and it made a whole change to how they how that the farm's profit, I mean, it's made a huge difference. And then for senior, the thing is a lot of farmers feel a lot of guilt to take time off because they have a partner that refuses to take time off. And, and for senior, he, he came to the agreement. Okay. It's fine. If we hire a kid on weekends, you can take your time off, but I'm going to stay here working. And, and what happened with senior is, um, A junior felt a lot of guilt taking this time off because his dad was still working. And that's a big component of the guilt is a big factor in a lot of family farms. And I actually had to go out and uh, almost grabbed a senior by the ear and force him to go on a date with his wife one Saturday night. We had the milker being trained. He he had been doing it for a month. He knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, That kid knew how to milk cows just fine. Senior wasn't needed to be around on that Saturday night. But to get him to actually get on a motorcycle, to take his uh, wife for a spin, I mean, it was almost, he almost punched me. Um, But what happened actually was six months later at Christmas, he, um, he, uh, he got terminal cancer. And he was dead by February. And Senior thanked me. He said, you know, this has been the best year ever. You know, we were in a whole different spot a year ago. Right. And I think that, that, um, you know, it's it's important for everybody to get to work a life beyond work because we just don't know how much. I mean, if you can get better at investing your time like it's money, you'd be surprised by how much you can improve the profitability. But more importantly, how much, um, if you can get a little of a break away from the farm, how much more productive you are on a Tuesday afternoon. And more importantly, if you, I mean, how much, if you can have a, if you can get away from the farm and invest your time wisely, um, how much more productive mindset um you have and a more positive person you are to be around it's yeah. just a whole three hundred sixty degrees yep yeah absolutely
2: it's kind of like the old saying you know invest your time in stuff that you can control and change and and keep away from the stuff that you can't control absolutely that's a, that's a good a good point to make there absolutely all right so a lot of jobs on the farmer once a year stuff where it's planting harvest, those kind of things where you've got once a year, but it's a pretty intense time during that, that one time of year that they come around. How do you factor that stuff into this time management scenario?
3: I, I think you should have breakfast every Monday morning with your family, right? And, and I, I, what I generally uh, get, uh, if you your normal start time is 7 o'clock, Everybody's usually at the shop at 7 o'clock in the morning, I suggest your family gets up at 6 o'clock in the morning and has this breakfast meeting on Monday mornings and gets a lot of bacon out because who doesn't like bacon? But the thing is, that's the time and place you as a family talk about the forthcoming week and how you're going to invest that m- money. So, if you have three partners and each partner is going to put 60 hours of, of time into the operation, you get an agreement as partners as to how we can best a- invest that time. And what I want to do is get, get everybody to agree on the priorities. You know, quite often I see partners, they get frustrated. They, they say, well, last Tuesday, he wasted the afternoon doing this, 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 this. And, and then they, they throw around accusations. Well, Wednesday morning you did this and you were gone for an hour and a half and you didn't need to, uh, you could have just ordered that part online instead of instead of wasting your time driving into town for one part. And, and what I think is really important is that your family looks at the fact that you're about to invest um, 60 hours from each partner, that's 180 um, 180 hours in the next next week, right? Um, or, um, the thing is you got to, you should look at that as the same as investing money and you should agree as partners as to how you're going to invest each person's time. What are the priority jobs that got to get done? So you got to identify by the end of this week, what are the three big things we got to get done? And then what are other tasks that sh- would be nice to get done if we've got extra time and then just kind of block off who's doing what on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Um, But I think what's really important is that I use the Eisenhower method. Um, The Eisenhower method is a a method of prioritization. So it's based on importance and urgency. So uh, if a job, you you use a scale A to F to rank the uh, uh, importance of a a job. And then on the scale one to five, you you rank their urgency. And so if you can get your farm family to, to start talking in terms of that, then you can have a discussion between your partners you may think a job is a priority of 2a two, uh, two but the truth is um it's it's a it's a priority of of um it, it might be a different priority to one of your partners and what's really important is you get a discussion and agreement between partners as to how many how many hours what, what the priority is you can better learn to listen to each other's ideas what i've actually found is through What I've actually found is that for farm debt cases, um, when I'm dealing with a farm debt case, the first thing I want to do is get the farm family uh, to agree on the the, the prioritization of the use of their time. So, I mean, a lot of farm families, they expect the first thing I'm going to look at is the farm financials. The first thing I, I do is get the farm family in the habit of meeting on Monday mornings and planning out who's doing what for the week and get squeeze out more efficiency of what they get out of their week. And obviously that improves profitability from a time management standpoint, because you can do the work of four men with three men or, or less. But more importantly, what that does is get the partners being able to listen to each other and agree on prioritization. And so what I'd rather have is an argument between partners about what Fred is going to be doing Thursday afternoon and have a 10 minute disagreement between partners and get past the egos where you get to the point that it's more important for things to be right um, than to be right in an argument. So what about these non-routine jobs that come up like
2: harvest planning, those kind of things where it's a once-a-year deal, but it's a pretty intense situation that pops
3: up? You know, I, I think the thing is is that, I mean, during harvest and planting, uh, we don't have a problem communicating with partners. It's The problem is, is what we're doing on February 15th. I mean, are, are you getting the maximum utility of your time in the month of February? You know, I see a lot of farmers that they, they could be um, using this time to change oil in the tractor and change the filters, but they, they catch themselves doing that on April 15th um, when, when they could be doing other jobs like uh, fixing the tile in the fields. And that's because we as farm families are, when it's time to go, we don't have time. Uh, we don't have problems investing our time. Is the time? Is the problem is that during those slow times, how are we most effectively investing our time so we're getting best utility of our time, three hundred sixty-five days of the year, not just um, for for sixty days of the year? So the thing is, what I do with farm families is I meet with every farm family. Um, I get the farm families to sit down and meet together for breakfast on Monday mornings, and basically they plan out who's doing what for the forthcoming week, right? And that starts off with the The family listing off all the jobs that have to get done and then agreeing on three uh, priority jobs that by the end of the week, hell, rain or fire, we've got to get these jobs done. And then identifying jobs that should be, should be get done and be nice to get done. And then also identifying, you know, if we're going to be uh, tearing apart a combine two weeks from today, you know, what parts do we have to order this week in order to make sure that we have the parts on site we're not just sitting around waiting for parts for three days until, until the John Deere dealership gets us to us because during COVID, um, it's a game changer as far as thinking ahead is really important as a family. Right. But what, what I'm, uh, what the, the two things I'm very careful about with this meeting is first of all, making sure that it's an hour before the time that you normally start your routine. So if your partners generally, everybody shows up at the shop at seven o'clock in the morning, having that meeting at six o'clock in the morning, it will help you. Kickstart the week and make that this meeting a priority and it just doesn't get distract, um, lost in I'm too busy, to we're too busy to meet this week, right? If, it's got to be an hour before. The second thing is I really am in, emphasize that it shouldn't be grandpa showing up to the shop and then dictating, okay, this is what we're going to do this week. It should be the, the, the nephew or the grandson, the youngest successor that comes to the table with a suggestion of the to-do list for the forthcoming week. And, and then the, everybody comes to the table with a, a filled out sheet of paper. They've actually spent 10 minutes before the meeting really thinking things through. So you, first of all, that you don't think about a task that should get done about 20 minutes after the meeting happened. But more importantly, what it does is teaches the successors to really be thinking critically about how they're investing their time, like it's, like it's money. You know, there's a lot of farms where the son or daughters are in their 40s. And they show up to the shop at eight o'clock in the morning and they're used to to grandpa um, or or dad telling them what to do and then dad gets hit by lightning and they are not very effective in managing their time and there's a lot of farm bankruptcies that happen because of this i mean i had a young farmer he was very competent individual um, but he referred to his dad as a walking task list and you know he got cancer his dad got cancer and he should have been cutting hay, but he, he prioritized cutting the lawn um, because he, he had always been, he was 35 years of age. And the reason why he didn't realize that cutting hay was more important than cutting the lawn because he didn't learn how to think critically about his time. And you'd actually be surprised by how many successors in the 40s and 50s don't know how to organize their time. And, and as a result, farms fall apart because of this. I think it's really important for the successors to come to the table with the suggestions first and then have the the parents and grandparents tweak the the priorities and get really good at disagreeing. You know, if there's a if you think that the son should be doing something different on Tuesday afternoon than he suggests, let's get really good at bickering about that, but more importantly getting really good at listening to each other. So it doesn't we we get into I mean quite often farm families we get into discussions and it becomes more important to be right than for things to be right. And that, that kills family farms. If you can, and what I found in farm debt cases is that if, you know, I, the first thing I do is get the farm family to get better at managing their time, like it's money. And, and they, when I show up to do a farm to that case, most people think that are surprised that I'm not prioritizing analyzing farm financials. Well, the thing is, is that I want to have a a disagreement between three, four partners about what we're doing on Tuesday afternoon with Fred's time and what should be Fred be doing and get into an argument and looking at a couple different options and get the family better making decisions together. So essentially what I want to do is problem solve how the family problem solves and take that to a whole different level. So egos go out the window, we're able to do what's right for the farm Right. And then when we sit down and do um, farm financial analysis 60 days later, we're able to talk about these uh, critical decisions without um, egos getting in the way. And so yep. again, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's like building a fire. Um, you start with the kindling first and add larger and larger logs onto the fire as um, the fire can handle it. It's the same thing with decision-making. I think you got to start with small little decisions first and then AND THEN BE ABLE TO HANDLE LARGER, uh, YOU KNOW, um, DECISIONS SUCH AS uh, I MEAN WHETHER WE SHOULD BE SELLING A CERTAIN FARM IN ORDER TO to COVER A CERTAIN AMOUNT OF DEBT um, OR EVEN SUCCESSION PLANNING FOR ALL SUCCESSION CASES THE FIRST THING i DO IS GET THE FARM FAMILY TO BICKER ABOUT SMALL LITTLE uh, HOW THEY INVEST THEIR TIME AND THEN IF WE CAN GET THAT sorted OUT THEN SITTING DOWN TO DO SUCCESSION PLANNING IT'S AN AFTERNOON CONVERSATION INSTEAD OF A TEN YEAR FAMILY FEUD
2: RIGHT SO 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 WE so we've done, I don't know, three or four or five of these podcasts together uh, yeah. so far, Andy. And the theme I hear a lot in these podcasts when we're talking is is the lack of alignment that you see on the farm, right? You have, yeah. you have everyone's pulling in a different direction and yeah. everybody has a different goal. And the really only true way that you can really come be in alignment with with anybody in the planet and and doing anything, whether it's what we're having for dinner or where we're going to go on a date or whatever it is, you have to have a conversation. You have to speak and you have to have some level of conflict in that conversation in order to get that robustness to come come out of what's going on inside your head, and inside their head. And then everybody has to agree not to disagree, but has to agree that when they walk out the door that they've, when there's not a meeting after the meeting. Yeah. And I think that's 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 what I keep hearing out of out of what you're talking about.
3: Uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, obviously getting more effective use of your time is going to make your farm more efficient uh sure. from a from a time management standpoint. And so you're going to need, you're going to get more done with your labor. Um and and that really adds up when you're able to add I mean, if you can squeeze out an extra 10 10%, uh, 10% labor efficiency and invest that time into things like improving your herd health in your dairy operation or, or do a better job of bookkeeping it makes a huge difference but more importantly um you know we start looking at time time is the most finite resource right and we often as farm families treat time as if it's an infinite resource well it's the same thing with money if we get better at managing our our time uh, and managing their time like a finite resource Then when we start to problem solve, how do we deal with um, cutting our budgets in different areas? Um, It's it's 10 times easier to do because we got past the bickering and we're able to, I mean, a lot of farms, we get, we we improve profitability between 20 to 50% within two years uh, just simply by managing time like it's money. And then the money flows as a a side effect.
2: If you can get past the, uh, what, what you're doing, what I'm doing, and who's
3: doing what, when,
2: and why. The rest of those conversations seem to be pretty
3: easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and more importantly, for the successor, um, they may not have equity in the business, but if they can show up to the meetings and they're 22 years of age and they feel responsible, they, they're able to suggest to um, what they plan to do for the forthcoming week, you, grandpa and dad might tweak what, 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 what it gets done, but that successor doesn't feel like a slave, doesn't feel like right. an employee. They start acting like an owner and you'd right. be surprised. Just this, just, just this, this past week, I, I have a farm. I won't say what state, um, but this, the son was basically only putting in about 10 hours, um, 10 hours a week into the operation. He was getting paid for 60 and, and you know, He's shown up because he laid out in front of his partners what he planned to get done before that in the week and what he planned to get done each day. He's been getting up at five o'clock every morning, and he's been um, he's been he's been putting in full hours, uh, twelve hour days, because he he acts like an owner now instead of a slave, and it's, it's ownership of her, of your time. Um, that that I mean, whether he has he, we didn't change his equity in the safe as far as his ownership on the farm on paper sure but he yeah. gained real ownership of his time and became empowered and i think it's a very powerful tool to get successors engaged in the operation success
2: yep
3: yeah.
2: yeah. the uh there's a there's a leadership uh guy that i follow jocko willink he talks about um you know his book extreme ownership talks about um decentralized command and how important that is to, to what that looks like and now here's here's a scope and vision of what we need to get accomplished. And here's your part, and here's my part. How are we going to make that work? And you guys just figure it out. And, and i want to help and coach along the way. But quite frankly, you need to figure out how we're going to get there because I have other things to do too. I think yeah. that's when a cut of time management on some some of these farms, when you start looking at what's happening, one person tries to control everything that's going around instead of trusting that what you know what Andy's doing on, on his his segment of the farm is getting done and, and getting accomplished and, and he's going to be able to figure it out.
3: Yeah, I, I think the whole, I, I mean, you, you said there's a lot of things right there. First of all, the whole mindset of the farming operation goes from being a pecking order where one person's a boss and the other people are, are the peons to it, the, the, the whole mindset of the farm goes from me to we. This becomes our farm. If the grandson or the, the um, son-in-law is able to suggest what he's doing. Um, he feels part of a team, and we create a whole team atmosphere. Now, outside of that hour meeting or a half an hour meeting, Grandpa's still the boss, right? If 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 Grand if Grandpa says something, the the, the grand, uh, grand, uh, grand uh, grandson says says hi hi. But during that meeting, if the the son of the, the young younger members, the um, less senior members of the team are able to suggest. They feel really empowered. Um, now, Jocko Willink, if anybody hasn't been exposed to Jocko Willink, he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. I think it's, it's, amazing. it's, it's an amazing book. It's actually, yeah. he comes up with a phrase, uh, discipline equals freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I actually have that. I mean, I get up at 4 o'clock every morning, read for a couple hours. And I have that right beside where I read. It's, uh, 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 Jocko says discipline equals freedom. And I think if we can become more disciplined with our time, um, you wouldn't believe how much um more productive your business is and more, how much more productive your personal life is. You right. go from being a victim to being an owner of your destiny. Right. And it all starts with with you managing your time like it's money. Absolutely.
2: Yep. No, I 100% agree. And I'm I'm a big, big follower of what he talks about and what he's looking at. And and that's what I, I keep hearing the same themes that you're talking about and the stuff that I listen to in this podcast and stuff I listen to in his book. So the alignment issue is a is a big, big thing when you're working with teams that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And understanding what, what that looks like moving forward. And not the same page because you're beat over the head to get on the same page, the same page of, you know, he talks about this a lot. And I say no, I know you see this a lot there and you you've talked about it where um if I can if it's your idea and you come up with how you're gonna get it done, you're gonna it's gonna be a successful idea and you're gonna go forward with it because you're not going to say your own idea is stupid, right? You're going to yeah. you're going to keep pushing through and yeah. making things happen. So
3: and and I think I think what's really important <coughs> is a 5 minute uh, a 7 minute max phone call at night between the yeah. partners. So I mean it's I mean things happen, there's always going to be breakdowns, there's all weather's always going to change. So the plan we had on Monday morning for what's going to go on Thursday is going to change. But right. what what you got to I mean you wouldn't start a football play a play in football without a huddle why the hell don't yeah. we do want we apply the same principles in business? I mean, at least have a yeah. plan of attack at the beginning of the week. And what I like to see on the, at the huddle, usually at sunset. Um, you know, so during the winter it'd be five o'clock. Uh, during the summer, it'd be around nine o'clock. Um, you just have a three-way call between if you have three partners, or have everybody call into a conference call online. But basically, you you volunteer. What do you plan to do tomorrow? With your time what's the one outcome that you want to get done by then and tomorrow night and then you volunteer that in, what's your number one priority and then you have your partners hold you accountable and if you didn't get something done the question comes out why not right and you have that sense of accountability and it drives you to get that thing done right knowing that you're going to have a phone call by sunset tomorrow night it drives you to not waste your time And it also causes you to reflect, okay, there's, I mean, a lot of farms, there's the the phrase, there's always tomorrow. Well, that's how farms go bankrupt, right? If you always have that attitude. If you have an attitude of accountability where day-to-day you spell out what you're going to get done by tomorrow night, and you have your partners hold your feet to the fire. I mean, things happen, but if you have a form of accountability, it makes a game changer. And the second thing I like to do in that, that phone call, is identify one thing you don't want to do tomorrow. It can be a really simple task, like even cleaning out your truck. But you got to get done in order to make the farm successful. It might be a simple task like cleaning out the truck. It might be a simple task like like talking to an employee about an uncomfortable uh, topic that you've got to do to discipline them and make them better employees. But for you to volunteer that information to your partners and then actually have them hold you accountable by tomorrow night getting it done, it's a game changer to, to the, the farm's success. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: All right. And hey, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about these workshops you've got going on. And there's a lot of good information there. What's the best way to do that?
3: Um, just go to stubborn.farm. So www.stubborn.farm. I should mention that I, I do a one day workshop on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And basically it's from nine to five. It's online. It's um it's called Farming with Your Stubborn Family. And basically all I did, do is give away 10 simple ideas like like we just what we just spoke about. And um they're common sense, but they're also thought provoking. I mean they're 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 things that you wouldn't think about, but if you can apply these habits to evolve how you work together from good to great, it's a game changer to how your family works together. And it's like um the the we used to do these workshops in person in small town communities and Never had a farmer not like it. Um, But what we've actually found is that the online versions, it's like, um, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous for Stubborn Farm Families. So the thing is, the thing is, is you're able to talk to other farmers going through similar problems and be more open about your situations. And you learn as much from the other farmers in different states as you do from me. And it's, it's a, it's a really cool um, process. And I offer this course I normally charge $300 an hour for my what I do for a living. That's what I charge for the day. Uh, so you get a, a basically um, a day's worth of my time, um, um, an hour's worth of my time. For, uh, you get a day's worth. Um, but we don't charge until the end of the day. And if you don't want to pay it, that's fine. Um, the, the, the thing is we have enough farmer go through this course and not like it. And I think that speaks, speaks a lot. So you can go to my website, stubborn.farm, and um, you know you can see the testimonies from other farmers. But... I I think the thing is, is you give me one day, you give me a Saturday, and uh, I know how hard it is to get a day off the farm, and to invest in something like this. But we'll double the odds of your family still farming together in thirty years' time.
2: Well, I appreciate you being the podcast, man. Appreciate that. Take care and God bless you too, man. In case you see me with Moving Iron podcast, check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this on the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out there. Uh, go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Johnson. It's going to be smart, folks. Out.
1: Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.